Can I swear? One day I went to him and I was analyzing some numbers and he looked at me and he said, Liz, just F and do it. Really? And I literally, that's what I needed to hear. And that's what I did. I went and signed a lease the next day, a 10-year lease, because I was like, okay, I'm going in. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Mike Thacker Show, where we talk about people, profit, and purpose. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of The Mike Thacker Show, where we talk about people, profit, and purpose. And I'm so excited to have a good friend of mine on today's episode, Liz Elam, founder of the Global Coworking Unconference, also nicknamed Juicy, is in the studio with me today. And we're going to get to that conversation in just a moment. But before we do, I want to take a couple minutes and give a quick shout out to WorkLarge, our primary sponsor. Amazing workspaces for amazing people. You're sick of working from home. If your company is letting you go and find an office that's closer to home and you're in the Houston or Dallas markets, come check us out. We'd love to see you. We'd love to try and help. And also, just a quick reminder, I launched a tech channel on YouTube recently called Tech Talk with Mike. Tech Talk is one word if you want to look it up. I check out gadgets and toys. And so we've done a few reviews already, having a little bit of fun with it. Got a few more going to drop here real soon. And so uh, I'd love if you'd go take a look and uh, let me know what you think. But uh, getting back to the episode, we're going to dive into the studio, recorded at Workledge in the Woodlands on this one. And uh, let's go hear what we've got to say with Liz. We're here talking today with Liz Elam, who runs Juicy and used to be a co-working operator as well. So she's lived and breathed co-working for a number of years. Not going to say how many years, because she still looks 21. We typically will start with a, with a five-question rapid fire, okay? So you can't think about the answers. And I'm really curious to know what they are, because a couple of these, almost everybody said the exact same thing. So I'm, I'm feeling a little bit out of it right now. I need, I need a bit more diversity in my guests, evidently. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to give it a go and we're going to see where we end up. But Liz, number one, what is your favorite food? Ooh, my favorite food is probably the potato. Okay. Any, any particular style, baked, boiled, fried? I love a baked potato. I love a fried potato. I love a hash brown potato. Like, I'm like, if I'm on a desert island, I would like potatoes. All right. I can go with that. Okay. Most people have said pizza and I like pizza, but I don't know that I'd, I'd put it as my favorite, you know, top of the food and pe- Yeah, potatoes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, favorite book that you've read in the past year? Ooh, favorite book I've It has to be The Healthy Workplace Nudge by Rex Miller. So good. Okay. I don't think I've read that one yet, but I think you posted about it on social a little while ago. I post about it all the time. I'm like obsessed. All right. Homework for my reading list then. Number three, favorite movie ever. Ever? Love actually. Okay. All right. Now it. we're on the same page and it's the right time of year to watch it. Yeah. I watch it every year at this time. I'm halfway through while I was baking cookies. I had it in the background. I love it. And I just was talking about it today because I love the beginning where it talks about people meeting at the airport. Right. And there's that's where you see love. Oh, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. We haven't watched it this year yet. We keep talking about it, but obviously it's in a you know a grown-up movie and I got older kids mm-hmm. and my son's like gonna be 17 a couple of weeks. He's like, oh can I watch it? And I'm thinking, well can he? And I'm thinking too and the Linda says, no, 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 hang on a second. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Uh, no. Okay. Moving on. Favorite thing to do? Um, I would say hang out with other humans. Okay. I'll go with that. Human interaction is always a good thing. And so finally, um, 
best single piece of advice you've ever been given? I think some of the best advice I've ever been given, I had absolute analysis paralysis over opening a co-working space. And I kept going back to SCORE, which is free mentors that you can have. And I kept going back to SCORE and with another question and another thing. And, you know, this (laughs) old curmudgeon guy at SCORE, one day I went to him and I was analyzing some numbers and he looked at me and he said, Liz, just F and do it. Really? And I literally, that's what I needed to hear. And that's what I did. I went and signed a lease the next day, a 10-year lease, because I was like, okay, I'm going in. Tell us about co-working then. I mean, in a nutshell, somebody meets you in the street, says, hey, Liz, what do you do? You know, why are you here today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, if when people ask me what I do, I say I run a global event company that's solely focused on co-working. And then I say, do you know what co-working is? And if they say yes, I'm like, great. And if they say no, and I said, oh, well, let me tell you what it is. It's kind of like a membership club where people can go to get work done. And we provide free coffee and places for people to connect and have events and get your work done. All right. So you were obviously running your own spaces. Now you mm-hmm. don't run the day-to-day anymore because you've got so popular and so amazing at the at the events that you just don't have any time for anything else. What was that transition like? You know what? It was, I was doing two full-time jobs. I had a co-working business with three locations and I was running the world's largest co-working conference series. And I couldn't do either 100%. And also with the co-working brand, I was like, okay, you're either going to decide to grow it and go national or you should sell it. And because at that time, there's about 70 co-working companies in Austin. And then I looked at the event company and there's very few competitors. And I like to think of mine as the best. So I'm like, well... I should really focus on this niche because there's so much more opportunity here and I've already got such a head start. And I didn't want to be on a plane to Des Moines and Memphis and flying all over the nation. I want to go see what's happening with co-working in Singapore and what's happening with co-working in Vietnam and how's it going in China, you know? So I really got to satisfy my travel bug at the same time. Awesome. And so how long have you been doing Juicy? Juicy, I started thinking about it and working on it in 2011. And our first conference was in 2012. Wow. Okay. And we've had over 32 in-person events globally and countless hours of online events now. So how's it been this year? Obviously, the co-working industry in general you know, is having an interesting, and I guess we're going to talk about that here in just a second, but but also mm-hmm. from an event perspective, because that's a whole different industry, and it's also yeah. had some interesting challenges this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we um, were about to do an event in April in Seattle, and we had to pull it, um, but we did it online, and we had a really good response to that, and we were one of the first events happening, because we, we did our first event in March, And then we did events in April online, and then we just kept going. And so when when people were getting really sick of online events, we were winding down our events for the year. And plus, now there's so much competition for online events. So it's actually, you know, silver lining. It's forced us to really next level and see, like, how else can we add value? How else can we educate people? And really, it's, it's just really pushed us in a really great way. And I think we're exactly in the same position as all the co-working operators. We just have to survive because on the other side of this, 
we know we're going to thrive because the co-working industry is going to thrive. So in fact, Juicy will thrive because people need to know how to operate a space. People need to know how to do a management agreement. And now the entire real estate world wants to understand what we do. And so it's a great opportunity for us. We've just got to keep it together until we can reap the benefits. So it's interesting. You commented there about management agreements and obviously also just the bigger picture, commercial real estate in general. Everybody's trying to pay attention to co-working now because mm-hmm. it does introduce a layer of modernity, if you want to call it that, to mm-hmm. a very unmodern system, traditional real estate, which you know really is quite outdated when you look at how it still functions. Completely. How do you think the future, and by future, let's think short term, so three to five years, How do you think that's going to play out for someone like me, who's still a co-working operator, where really I'm inserting a layer in between the building owner, developer, landlord, and the end user? Do you think that there's still going to be space for that that mid-layer, bringing in a a different level of hospitality? Do you think the landlords are going to try and muscle in on that and try and deliver more spec suites and that kind of stuff so they can see better rates? What do you think? So absolutely all the above is happening. So are landlords going to enter? Absolutely. Our real estate company is going to enter. Absolutely. Um, We have a tremendous head start because we've been in this industry such a long time. And what people don't realize is managing humans and spaces for humans is very complicated. This is adult daycare, people. Absolutely. Child play. And so it looks super easy from the outside, but we both know it's not super easy. It's actually very complicated. There's 1,500 things that you need to be paying attention to. There's so many areas where you can fail. And so it is a very complex business, and they're going to have a lot to learn to get up to speed. So what they're going to be doing is looking for people like you, Mike, who's done it, who they can just plug in. Because it's just like, you know what, if you have a great coffee space in your building, are you going to then go open coffee shops? No, you leave it to the coffee shop people. You know what, real estate people, stay in your lane. Go buy buildings. Don't try to do our business because you're probably not going to do well at it. Or you're going to invest an insane amount of time and money trying to figure it out when you could have just partnered with your local co-working space operator. So the deal is that's absolutely going to happen. Is somebody going to figure it out and do it right? You better believe it. Are there companies starting right now and lots of them that are just doing management agreements? You better believe it. But here's the deal. Just like in 2012, when I stood up on stage and Juicy and said, you can't build them fast enough for the demand coming your way. The same thing holds true today. You can't build them fast enough. So don't worry about it. Just keep doing what you're doing so well and focus on you. And don't worry about what anybody else is doing. My favorite quote is actually Henry Ford, who says the competitor you should worry about the most is the one who doesn't worry about you at all. You know who never gave me a second thought? Adam Newman. Right. You know, he had tremendous success. He also had tremendous failure. But, you know, just don't worry about it and do your thing. So... It's interesting you mentioned management agreements, and um, that's not something we've particularly done with WorkLodge. But mm-hmm. I'm looking at the news lately, and I see all this stuff. Um, you know, a couple of folks file bankruptcy. Serendipity is one of them that comes up by name, mm-hmm. and it looks like there's a bit of tension there, a little bit of you know airing of dirty laundry going on right now with the bankruptcy filing. I guess they took some funding, gave a, a board a board seat away to someone, and you know now they've got a difference of opinion. 
I don't want to get into that specific situation, but I think mm -hmm. there's a lesson there for a lot of people, not just in this industry, but in any industry. Mm -hmm. When you take on a partner, which is what you're doing, when you start giving away board seats, you start taking on investment and all these other kind of things, you've got to have some alignment there. I mean, you guys have got to be on the same page and you've got to be on the same page for the, for the long haul as well as the short. What, what's your thoughts on that? Or what kind of advice would you give based on what you've seen? I have so much thoughts about this because I think it's a, a very common mistake I see is people bringing in friends and family. I think that is super muddies the water. I think that partnerships so often people are like, yeah, I've got a partner and we're going to, you know, go sign this lease. And I'm like, great. Do you guys have an agreement? And they're like, <laughs> no, but we're, we, we got like, it's, you have to have a contract. You have to know what's going to happen because to me, it's a rare that a partnership works out well long term. Yeah. And, you know, just real quick also, though, on IWG and Serendipity, I think they're also utilizing the bankruptcy system to use it to restructure. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's an indication of our industry. I think it's an indication of some savvy finance people. Right. But yeah, I'm very, very wary of partnerships. Me too. Yeah. Which, which is interesting because my first business, I had a partner and mm -hmm. I've never been one for partners and, and, you know, never have since. But yet we actually got along really well and the partnership worked really well. And I think back on it now and I think, Mike, why were you so anti-partner? Because the one time you had one, it was actually pretty cool. For me, it was watching other family members go through it. My dad right. was in a business. He was in a partnership. It ended horribly. My brother had a business with a partner. It ended horribly. Right. And so part of it for me, and just, I've watched so many people go through what looks like a brutal business divorce. And it's yeah. just really scary. It's, I think it's fascinating. Of all the things that I've done, and, and you know, for those of you that listen to this show, obviously, you know, I used to be a preacher and, and you know, worked in, in the nonprofit world for a, a number of, of years, but the people business is the people business, right? I mean, we, we, particularly in the co-working industry, we are around people all day, mm -hmm. every day we serve people. And, and the reality is some people do the right thing. Some people do the wrong thing. Um, everybody's got a difference of opinion, you know, and they mm -hmm. see things through their, their own lens. And I'm sure that we find uh, a lot of justification going on in the minds of folks who are doing what appears to be the wrong thing, but in their mind, maybe not. Maybe they think, yeah. doing, you know, doing I, it right. I feel like karma does a great job of, of settling these things. I leave a lot up to her. Right. No, that's, and, and that's such great wisdom. I mean, it's one of the things we talk about with the staff here, you know, when we're doing training and things, we want to, we want to treat people the way we want to be treated. And, and that can mean a million things. But one of the stories we use in our, in our training is, you know, the idea of if you go to a fast food place and they make you wait 25 minutes for your food, nobody needs to tell you to be frustrated. No, nobody set an expectation. You didn't get a service level agreement contract, but you just know it's wrong. I'm in a fast food restaurant. I'm supposed to mm -hmm. get my food fast and it's supposed to be hot and I'm supposed to be able to eat it, you know, quickly. Mm -hmm. Somehow we inherently know some things that are, you know, that are right from wrong. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've had a ton of interns over the years. I don't think I've had a year without an intern. Um, and you know, about 50% work out and they're phenomenal and 50% are really frustrating. 
But I will say, you know, back when they were in the co-working space as interns, but also in Juicy, you know, we always tell them, look, people are sometimes going to treat you really poorly, but I want you to know that that's not about you. That's about their morning. They stepped in some cat doo-doo. They had a fight with their spouse. They had to wait 25 minutes for their Starbucks and they are angry. You just were the next person that was in their way. And I want you to understand that that's not about you. That's about them. No, that's such good advice. And I was, I was actually visiting with someone, um, a few days ago doing a recording here for an upcoming episode. And uh, one of the things we ask at the end, and I'm going to ask you as well, is, you know, what, what, what one piece of advice would you leave for the world? And, and his piece of advice was simply this, be kind. Mm. And, um, and, and, and you're absolutely right. You encounter people in all kinds of, you know, situations and frames of mind and whatever else. But our superpower in some ways is that no matter what, we can mm-hmm. change that. Like we just, just roll that kindness back out, you know, just shower yeah. them with some love, just give them some grace and, um, mm-hmm. and recognize, like you said, it's not about you, it's about them. So how can we help them be having a better day? How can we turn that around for them? How can we make their, you know, moment just that little bit more exceptional? And when you, I, I don't know about you, but when I think of it in those terms, it's, it's amazing how much power we have as people. Yeah. It doesn't cost us anything. Yeah. Just, you know, just step it up, not down. Yeah, I think it was um, Audrey Hepburn who said, you know, treat everybody with this just incredible kindness because you don't know what they're battling. No. You just, you don't know if they just found out they have cancer or their their parent just died or their dog just died or whatever. You don't know what they're going through. No, and, and obviously, even, even outside of a year like this, we, we know a lot of people go through a lot of things. I think about Chadwick Boseman. Yes. You know, here's a guy that people were hating on because he was losing weight. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. no, 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 by the way, you know, he passed away and it was kind of like, holy moly, what just happened? Like, stop. Mm-hmm. You know, right there is a great example of don't don't judge that book by its cover at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, what a classy dude to keep that, you know, to himself. I mean. Well, you know what? It, I don't think I can tell this story without crying, but we're going to try. Okay. So there was a guy who was a member at my co-working space. And now he's at the co-working space that I go to. And he is always a really nice guy, kind of quiet, kind of shy. And the last couple of times I said, hey, to him, he wasn't himself. And he followed me out the other day. And he told me that he wanted to talk to me because his daughter had died. His 16-year-old daughter had passed away. And he felt bad that he wasn't saying hi to me because of his grief and that, but I, but also that story is a story of co-working, you know, that he felt so connected to me still that he shared this really horrible thing that had happened to him. And it just, and, you know, I called up some other um, former link members and was like, Hey, you got to reach out to our friend because he's hurting because this thing happened. And yeah, you just, you don't know. And, you know, I thought when this person wasn't saying something back, I was like, oh, he's probably just having a bad day or something's happening at work. You don't know. No, and that's an incredible example of the community that we talk about in the co-working industry. People, yeah. people need, we were built to be around community. One way or another, yeah. we were built, you know, so so find find some reason to get around other folks who think the way you do or, you know, congregate well, and- around the same ideals. 
And that's what's so frustrating to me about COVID is, you know, sending people home to work alone is is not the long-term solution. Like, I'm scared to see what's going to happen to rates of depression and suicide. Right. And so, you know, I get really frustrated with companies that are like, oh, we never know when you'll be back. Like, that's not a good thing to say. People need people. The worst thing you can do to another human is put them in solitary confinement other than killing them. It's solitary confinement. Yeah. So we need other people. And this has been so hard for so many people. And even the holidays, you know, we were just talking about love actually, like if there's somebody you haven't heard from, you need to pick up that phone and call them. I'm not saying send a text. I'm not saying send an email, pick up the phone and call them. So it's funny. There's two things that you just talked about that have come up repeatedly. The last four episodes we've recorded, mental wellness, anxiety, depression, even pre-COVID, obviously, these things are real issues. Um, but, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you're twice as likely to suffer from you know, depression as somebody mm-hmm. that doesn't go start a business. You're twice as likely. It was just incredible things. And, um, and then later on the holidays, you're right. I think Christmas time is, is the highest rate of suicide or something, yeah. I think I read. Yeah. We, are, we are fundamentally not, not built to be alone. You, you're absolutely right. And I think a lot, of, a lot of people are finding this year even harder and there is a lot more anxiety. I think a lot of the tension that we're seeing is as a result, mm-hmm. you know, of, of these things because people just don't know how to process that and deal with it. And ha- yeah. you know, and I mean, look at it. Tony Shea. Right. You know, he was in a desperate, bad place. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I know the answer isn't being tucked away on my own in my office at home. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the answer is, you know, these new models, it's giving the workers the choice and letting them pick where they feel connected, where they get things done, where they want to be and let them go there and pay for it. Right, right. And probably pay less than you would in a new corporate campus anyway on a cost per employee basis. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think, you know, what I'm really happy to hear that that's been talked about so much because part of it is putting that, you know, mental illness is just throughout our society and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And we got to put it out in the light and talk about it. I've been advocating for mental health for the past five years and telling people like, if you're not paying attention to this, you will be left behind. It's so important. And it touches every family. It's just like addiction touches every family. Right. But here's the other reason it'll definitely get addressed. The most expensive healthcare item for all corporations globally, according to the World Economic Forum, is depression. It's not anxiety. It's not addiction. It's not obesity. It is depression that is keeping people from coming to work. So the good news is corporations now have no choice but to help address it. Wow. I did not know that. Interesting statistic. So let's let's change gears for a second here. As somebody that's not just heavily involved in the co-working industry, but also being around businesses, especially with the new year, I think a lot of people get the idea of, hey, I want to go start something, or I'm thinking about starting something. Maybe folks have been mm-hmm. laid off. And, and like you, maybe they're nervous. They're, they're talking to someone. They're looking for ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did an episode on it a few weeks ago with someone who was, you know, government employee, life for uh, 20-something years, looking forward to his pension. But he's got that bug to be an entrepreneur. But he's not sure that he can leave the, sta- the stability and the safety of that, you know, regular paycheck. What kind of things have you observed 
um, with some of the members maybe you served previously and some of the folks you've been around that you could give some advice to folks listening who are thinking about, hey, you know what, maybe I want to go do something on my own. Yeah. Yeah. I have lots of thoughts about that. I think one for me, I had to quit my job to get scared enough to start. So I think that that's one thing that really helped me. The other thing is lots of people will put their fear on you. So like, you'll be like, Hey, I'm thinking about starting my own business. And, you know, parental units will be like, Whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) Do they have healthcare? Um, so, you know, you have to be brave if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you have to realize that you're probably going to struggle and you're probably going to fail. I've opened multiple mini businesses. I've probably had what was deemed one very big success, but I've got plenty of failures too. So I think it's like, don't let other people's fears stop you because it's a real brave thing to be an entrepreneur. The other thing is our, our, country needs the entrepreneurs right now more than ever. We are the people that bring this country out of recessions. It is small business that does that. Absolutely. The other thing is read everything you can and do your homework. I'm amazed how many people are like, oh, I'm going to open a co-working space and I'm going to call it the hub. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, well, there's 75 other ones called the hub. Maybe you should Google that. So like do your research people, but also read, 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 like go get those lists, you know, listen, like I love E-Myth was one that was a really good, just standard business book that helped me a lot when I was starting out. And then the other thing is go talk to the people that have done it. People are so kind for the most part when you reach out to them and say, hey, I'm thinking about getting in this industry. Can I talk to you? Like I did that a ton. I went and talked to so many co-working operators. I flew out to California and I met Jerome from Blank Spaces yep. while I was just working on my business plan because I was like, here's one of the few people that's doing it. Let's go talk to him. You know, so like go meet people and talk to people. And then I'll have like people be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start up a co-working space in Austin. I was like, well, have you visited all the co-working spaces in Austin? No. What? Like, go, they're in your city. Go visit every single one of them. If you're opening up a gym, go visit every single gym and see what that experience is like and what you would like to change about it or what you could make better about it or what about the parking or what about the signage or what about that experience. And so, like, do the research and do it. I mean, I absolutely love it. I'm my own boss. I set my own hours. I travel when I want to. Um, you know, am I killing it financially? Not right now. Will I later? You bet. Absolutely. So then let me flip that on its head. What about the folks who are doing something and maybe it's not working out so hot for them Mm -hmm. right now? And they're wondering, do I keep doing this? Do I keep going forward? You know, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who asks that question? How do I know it's time to stop? Mm, That's a great question. And I would say, I'm sure you have a mentor get with that mentor and get a second opinion that's not emotional because your opinion is going to be emotional and you're so tied to it and it is your baby and you love your baby, but maybe it's time to sell it. And a lot of people don't realize that even, you know, is it better to sell when your books are great? You better believe it. Can you sell when your books aren't great? Yes. Sometimes you can. Right. So, you know, maybe there's more value there than you realize 
But then the other thing is if you get out of bed and you hate what you do and you're putting your business or your family into debt, then maybe it's time for a change. And if you started one thing, you can start another thing. Is that's right. one thing too that I learned? It's like people are like, "Well, how did you get started?" It's like you just put one foot in front of the other. Like you're like, "I need a website. I'm gonna go look and see what it takes to buy a website." Okay, I bought a website. All right, I need to build a website. Oh, I got to, you know, you just figure it out. That's awesome. And you learn every day, and that was one of the things I loved because I got out of corporate America, and I wasn't. I mean, I would learn about like new products Dell wanted me to sell, but I wasn't really learning strategically and I wasn't learning about the future and I wasn't helping people. And and I wanted to do those things. And the way I could do those things was to open my own business. And I still, to this day, I learned something every single day. Wow. Okay. Favorite piece of tech. Let's take a little time out here. Favorite piece of tech. Hmm. I'll let you I have guess, two if you need to. You know, I'm going to have to say so the good old phone. But I utilize my phone primarily for talking to people. I don't put my email on it because I don't want to be that connected. So I set some boundaries between myself and my phone. But, you know, it's it's the thing I'm carrying around all day. So I guess it's my favorite. It's funny because I know a lot of folks have gone back to flip phones and things like that, you know, because they mm-hmm. want to just have the simplicity of a phone yeah. and um, be able to segment life a little bit sometimes and not get distracted by those red dots. It's really funny. I like to pick up the phone and call people sometimes, which unnerves some people. And some people are like, this is amazing. And so it's now it's like writing a thank you card, which is this, you know, amazing old school thing to do. So is picking up the phone. So that was the second thing, actually, that I was referring to before, you know, going old school. Um, I was talking to a guy called Trav from Australia. who uh, He's known as the bucket list guy. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the first things he encouraged you to do is actually to write your bucket list down and not just write it down digitally, but to get a pen, you know, and a paper and do it old school because it, it does something different in the way your mind processes that information than just typing it on a keyboard. Okay, so that is my other technology that I absolutely love is the Apple pencil that you can use on your iPad. Okay. Oh, you're I love that because I do my morning pages on that and it gives you the writing sensation without utilizing paper. Okay. Maybe I need to go try that one out. I like my iPad. That's one of my favorite devices, actually. I could lose my phone. I'd I'd choose my Mm -hmm. my tablet over the phone, interestingly enough, which a lot of people don't go for. But So this is my phone. This is for business. I don't use it that much for personal and I use my tablet for personal. Ah, so a nice bit of compartmentalization there. Yep. The tablet is like reading and fun and personal right. and like my morning routines. And the phone is pretty work-centric. Okay, I could see that. Except for email. I don't want email on my phone. I think that's a mistake. So then you get to your inbox and you've got like 9 million emails. I just book a couple hours a day and take care of it. Practical advice. (laughs) All right, Liz, don't want to take too much more of your time, but what should I have asked you that we haven't talked about? One of the things I'm super excited about, and I hope I get in, is um, one of the things I'm trying to do right now is apply to grad school in Houston. Okay. The University of Houston has um, one of the best programs, apparently, um, in the world for foresight. So I've applied to the University of Houston to get a degree in foresight so I can be a professional futurist. Okay, so then looking forward to the future, let's put this to the test a little bit. What do you see in the future for Juicy? Your, your, your current baby. 
my current baby, well, Juicy is going to evolve. I don't want people to just go to a Juicy. I want them to connect all the time. And so what I see in the future is the Juicy community is really something that happens 365, 24-7. And that also we utilize the Juicy community to help elevate small business. So I think we've talked about Juicy Places. So putting together a network of spaces so that corporations can support, you know, small business instead of defaulting to a Regis or a WeWork, they can come to Juicy Places to help place their people into space. And so that's some of the future. I see our events turning not only from the big events where we get everybody together, but also, you know, we've really been toying with and playing with some smaller events that are in amazing locations where we just get kind of a small group of people together and work on some problems and work together and really retreat away and learn at the same time. So I'm looking at an island in Thailand for a co-working, co-living get-together. Um, so that's the, that's some of the things that we're working on for the future of Juicy and hopefully, you know, continuing to grow it. You know, a lot has changed. We had to bring kind of the operations for Juicy Canada back in, the operations for Juicy UK back in. China, we just put on a hold. And so we're kind of figuring out where the growth is in the future and where we want to be. Well, you heard it here maybe first then. I don't know if maybe. that's top secret information or not, but uh, that's awesome. Liz, I think, you know, for, for myself and I know for a lot of other co-working operators out there, sometimes I know when you work hard on things, you don't always feel like it gets noticed or, mm -hmm. uh, or appreciated. And I know for me, I appreciate the things you do in the co-working world. Oh, I'm probably you. not as involved as, as, as some folks out there, but that doesn't mean it's not noticed. It doesn't mean I don't pay attention to it and see what's going on. And, and I think, I think that's a lot of what happens today because of the way social media functions, you can kind of be up to date with things, even though, you know, we didn't talk that much or we didn't email that much. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just think it's great that there are folks out there trying to find more ways and better ways, you know, to connect a lot of small operators, a lot of small business owners together. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed in the co-working community and also now in the podcasting community as well, interestingly enough, is that everybody doesn't see everybody else as a threat. Like it's okay yep. if, you know, if you're going to go launch a podcast, it's okay if you're going to go and open a co-working space too. I mean, don't open it right next door in the same building as me, but, um, but, but you know, it's okay. Like we, we, we do different things. We approach people different ways and, and we can all serve, you know, our local communities and, and be successful and, and, and maybe actually a little bit more successful if we play nice together and are friendly rather than, you know, doing some of the, the tacky stuff that we've seen, you know, in the past. Yeah, I've always been amazed by the co-working community. And I don't think a juicy has happened where I haven't gotten up on stage and said, you're not competitors, you're collaborators. Right. And, you know, the co-working industry really does embrace values and we help each other and we lift each other up. And, you know, some of my best friends are people I've met through Juicy. And it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I think the rest of the world could learn so much from how co-working um, operators help each other and lift each other up. It's, it's quite sensational. And, um, you know, I would say, no, don't open a co-working space in the building you're in, 
but come next door right. because what happens is one of the things I've seen happen a lot is there's so much co-working out there. Somebody will go to one and say, that wasn't, uh, I didn't like co-working, right. but they didn't try all the others. Yeah. And there's so many flavors of co-working out there. So don't just try one and say, I don't like it. It's like going to a movie theater and you go to one movie and you're like, well, that movie sucked. I'm never going back to the movie theater. You go back. Like, go try some other co-working spaces. So maybe Work Lodge is not your thing, yeah. but maybe Common Desk is. Or maybe Work Lodge is totally your thing and Industrious is not. Like, it just depends. But try them all out. And I actually find that when they're clustered together, they, they end up gr both growing. No, absolutely. I can see that for sure. Same reason why you put, you know, so many food places close by. Right. Choice, selection, you know, find the yeah. flavor that fits. Not everybody wears Levi's. No, mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. Okay, so we're going to get some deep questions here to round out, Liz. I hope you're ready okay. for this. Okay, we've got two real tough ones. First of all, when it's all over, you kicked mm -hmm. up your boots and you're gone from the world. What's the one thing you would hope people remember you by? Service. Right. Being of service to others. All right. Well, I think you're doing a pretty good job of that so far. So I think you're going to be okay with that legacy. Oh, um, good. And then number two... What's the one piece of advice you would want to leave to the world? Mm. I would say, you know, it's so cliche, but take it one day at a time. And, you know, the past is gone. We have no idea what's going to bring tomorrow. You only have this moment to stop worrying about it. Worry never accomplished anything. Fear never accomplished anything. Like, just deal with what you got today and it'll all work out. It always does. All right. You heard it here with Liz Elam talking on the Mike Thacker Show. Thanks so much for tuning in. So there you have it. What an episode. Liz is awesome. She does awesome things through Juicy. So many people call Liz a friend and it's easy to see why after that conversation that we had today. I hope you're enjoying the new season here as we've just started out with season two. Would love if you would take a second and share this with somebody you know. Think about one person or two people specifically. Maybe forward along an email, share the link to the podcast or even just tag them on social. But we want to make sure that as many people as possible can hear these stories can hear this conversation, hopefully be encouraged by it, be uplifted by it. The only way that's going to happen is if we can get it in front of them. And so you, our listeners, we're going to kind of lean on and ask if you can help us out with that just a little bit. Also, if you haven't already, really appreciate if you take a second and leave a review or leave a rating if you do Apple Podcasts. It helps other people who are checking out the podcast to know whether it's something or not they want to listen to. And so if you're enjoying it, it'll help someone else along. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much to those who already have. Don't forget, you can find me on social at Real Mike Thacker, Instagram and Facebook, and good old Mike Thacker on LinkedIn, or just the Mike Thacker Show uh, is also on the website, mikethacker.com forward slash show. Thanks so much for tuning in, and let's go out there and be amazing.